Hey, how you doing? This is Wade with Wade for Wireless. And welcome back for another episode of Wade for Wireless with all your wireless updates, news, and information. Just sit back and relax. Move over, Wi-Fi. Here comes LTEU coming down to share the airwaves with you. The license-free airwaves, the unlicensed airwaves, the ISM band, specifically 5.8, 5.8 gigahertz. We are going to have a new format. To me, it's very exciting, but I got to tell you, it's been a long time coming. And I'm going to get into the history of that. I'm going to go over the tension between the LTEU groups and the Wi-Fi groups in just a moment. But first, I want to thank Tower Tracker Pro, TowerTrackerPro.com for all your closeout package needs. When you need the closeout package done right in one visit, step by step and you can have someone do quality control before the tower crew even leaves the site and also tower safety and instruction towersafety.com they will provide all your tower safety training needs as well as drone training osha training and anything else you might need for your tower crews to work out there at the tower sites and remember i have the wireless deployment handbook which is available at wade w-a-d-e the number four wireless.com which is where this blog's available so just look for products by wade I also have scope of work training. I also have tower climbing and introduction. I have several books I wrote out there and I have a new book coming out. It's going to be another wireless deployment handbook. It's going to be the 5G deployment. And I'm going to go over 4G into 5G, LTEU and Internet of Things and everything that we think of when we think of 5G. Even though IoT is much more than just 5G. That's for another blog. So today I want to move over Wi-Fi because here comes LTEU. That's what I want to talk about. The reason I want to talk about is because there's been a lot of tension between the LTEU groups and the Wi-Fi groups. However, the good news is the Wi-Fi Alliance, the WFA, the Wi-Fi Alliance has released the testing outline, the testing process, the testing procedure for coexistence between LTEU and Wi-Fi. But first, let me go into a little background. First, what is LTEU? LTE is for long-term evolution. It's a common format used now for 4G, and it's going to morph into 5G. It's going to be a foundation for 5G. 5G is going to be much more than just a format. But when we think of 4G, we think of LTE. U stands for unlicensed, which means LTEU will work on the unlicensed band, which is currently dominated by Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi is used in the unlicensed band. And let me tell you, every device out there that I am aware of that has any type of network connectivity, let's say wireless network connectivity, has Wi-Fi on it. All your smartphones have Wi-Fi, all your laptops have Wi-Fi, and it's liberating. It's so nice. We don't need to be near a router. We don't have to have a cable plugged in. You know what? And a lot of you people probably don't even remember that. I remember when we had to have cables plugged in and you had to work near the router and you had these long 50-foot cables trying to work on equipment, which isn't a big deal, but Wi-Fi just made it so much easier. With that said, Wi-Fi has been around for a long time. It's in every device, and I think LTEU will be quite the disruptor. I do. And the companies backing LTEU are companies like Qualcomm, Nokia, Ericsson, companies like that that really want to get it going. And the carriers also back it because they see it as a much more efficient way to hand off from licensed to unlicensed spectrum when it's with the same format. And going from LTE to Wi-Fi has been a major issue. It's been a major issue to overcome. So I see it as a good thing as far as that goes. It's going to be good for the carriers and it's going to also be good for neutral host small cells. I see that as a great thing. So what is the history here? 
Wi-Fi has always been in the ISM band for a long time, but you got to understand it's been more than Wi-Fi. Like the format that Wi-Fi uses, they use it for links, like point-to-point links, microwave links, things like that. And it's been around for a long time. It's been in use for a long time. Um, trying to think back when I, maybe 2000s, when I first remember setting up some of those links if I remember right, but it's been there for quite a while. And the problem is now we have a new format here. All these people that invested all the money in Wi-Fi are very upset to see something new come, number one. Number two, they're worried about the sharing. Let me tell you something. If you've ever been to an airport that has like six Wi-Fi hotspots and you try to connect to one, you realize how many issues there are. And those guys are trying to work together to make it as clean as it can possibly be for each one. And there's still issues. So I don't really look at it as a Wi-Fi versus LTEU sharing issue. I just look at it as Wi-Fi doesn't want LTE out there. Now, LTEU, from everything I read, does use quite a bit of bandwidth, but they're doing everything they can to coexist with Wi-Fi. I'm telling you, I think it's very exciting. We have a new format in the ISM band. A lot of the Wi-Fi companies are against it. The Wi-Fi Alliance seems to be not happy with it, and I have to give the carriers credit. When they came through with this, well, I don't think the FCC really cared in the beginning because it's unlicensed spectrum. They thought, yeah, go ahead. Something new will, you know, as long as it passes the specs, and it's clean and it's efficient, we'll let it out there. But then the Wi-Fi companies were very upset. Anyone who deployed like millions of dollars in Wi-Fi gear. So they tried to make it a David and Goliath type battle, whereas the Goliath were the carriers and the David were the small Wi-Fi companies like the cable companies like Time like Time Warner Cable, Comcast. <laughs> and I'm being sarcastic here. You hear my sarcasm? But that's how it came out in the beginning. And they were very worried about the coexistence. So give the uh, LTEU group... A lot of credit. They got balls, man, because they just handed everything off. They said, you know, Wi-Fi Alliance, if you see it as so bad, you test it. All we ask is that you be fair. Basically, Cable Labs was doing a lot of testing in the beginning. In the beginning, they were very negative on it. They didn't like the way it shared. They said they noticed degradation in, in signal, and I believe them. But then how many hotspots did they have for Wi-Fi? Two, three, four, and it worked fine? Maybe it did. I don't know. I've seen problems when you deploy multiple hotspots for Wi-Fi. So now you have LTEU. You got to remember this coexistence thing, though. They did do testing. They're going to make sure it's great. It, it works fine. And I think the FCC was glad that the LTEU groups did this, that they actually handed it off to the Wi-Fi Alliance, because then, in my opinion, they didn't really have to get deeply involved. You know, they didn't have to hand it off to NIST to do testing. NIST, National Institute of Standards and Technology here in the U.S. So I think it was a big deal. And I, I do have to admit, the Cable Labs and the Wi-Fi Alliance, they did a lot of testing. They came out very negative. They constantly came out with negative reports and they would get hammered by Qualcomm or Nokia or Ericsson or the carriers or T-Mobile. And it was getting a little frustrating, right? Because a while back, T-Mobile asked the FCC to speed up the LTE release. I have the articles in my blog at wadeforwireless.com. It's something that almost like they were trying to delay the release of it. They were doing all that they could to delay it. That was the perception. I'm not saying that's how it was. I know it takes time to test and get things released, but the perception was they don't want it released. They didn't like it and they delayed, delayed, delayed it as long as they could. That's what I saw. So it was sort of crazy, but while LTE isn't new, LTEU is new. And I think the Wi-Fi group saw it as a threat. And I just say this in the words of Rodney King, can't we all just get along? Let's find a way to share it and get it out there. So what the Wi-Fi Alliance did, they released their testing report. And what the carriers are going to do and the OEMs, they promised to follow the report to do their testing to make sure that LTEU can coexist with it. If you want to report, it's in this blog. Just follow the links. Wade for Wireless. Wade, W-A-D-E, the number four, wireless.com. And it's very exciting because here they have something that they actually released that people can use to do the testing. 
So in that way, it's a good thing. And I think I haven't heard any, uh, a lot of negativity from cable labs. I don't think they're still happy with it, but I think they're going to try to give a fair analysis of it as they can, you know, just like Fox news, fair and balanced news. That's what we're looking for. Fair and balanced testing. So you have the two groups like stabbing each other. Okay. Not stabbing. You have the two groups keeping each other aligned with their productive criticism while trying to come up with the best way to release this new technology along with the old technology. That's what it is. Now, if you listen to anybody, though, even Verizon, and I have the article in there, was very upset because they always felt like Cable Labs was making LTEU look bad. So let's think about it. Wi-Fi systems are being built to provide alternate access and offloading to the licensed access in today's world. It wasn't always that way. Wi-Fi was a key thing, man. That was something that we use everywhere. I use it in my home. I love Wi-Fi. I'm a big fan of Wi-Fi. I use it every day. My wife uses it. I'll bet almost everybody out there in the U.S. anyway that has a laptop or has a smartphone uses Wi-Fi every day, if nothing else, just to save on their data charges to the carrier. And why shouldn't they? It's a great technology, right? So here's what you have to do. You have to look at it that way. You have to look at it as new technology, something that can be used productively every day. So that's how I look at it. I look at it as, as something that I really rely on. However, with that said, why not try something new? Don't we all want to try something new? And one issue with Wi-Fi that they've had, and you can ask any WISP this or even the cable companies, people really expect Wi-Fi for free. The heavy users, the business users might be willing to pay for it if they travel a lot. But when you go to a Starbucks, if it says you have to pay to get in Wi-Fi, chances are you go to the Starbucks across the street to see if their Wi-Fi is free. Even at my grocery store where I go, they have a section where you can sit, use your laptop, drink coffee, and use Wi-Fi. And guess what? It's free. <laughs> I'm not saying it has like awesome bandwidth or anything, but that's a perception people have. They really expect Wi-Fi to be free. And another issue with Wi-Fi, just to give you some history here, to hand off from LTE to Wi-Fi has, is not easy. It's a big change in formats. It hasn't been easy to do a lot of things. I know the voice over Wi-Fi works, but it's been very hard to go from Wi-Fi to LTE, LTE to Wi-Fi. It's been a real challenge for a lot of reasons. So that's why LTEU is very exciting because now you have LTE handing off to LTE. It just goes from licensed to unlicensed, which is very exciting. And I think the carriers also want to build out their own LTEU. But I see it as a great way to have a neutral host small cell system, you know, or even a DAS system that's neutral host. If you could just do it that way, it'd be great. The Wi-Fi guys don't like that because I'm going to be honest with you, these bigger Wi-Fi WISPs, wireless internet service providers, WISP, that's what they were hoping to do. They were hoping to cash in on the offload to the carriers and some did. It's been a rough road to do that technology wise. So I think this LTEU will make it a lot better. And if I were the WISPs, I would look forward to this because this would be a way for you to hand off from the carriers. I know the carriers are going to go full bore to build their own systems because they want to do it as much as themselves as they possibly can. And the reason they want to do that, they want control. They want their controllers. They don't want to share, especially Verizon. They don't like to share. They like stuff to be their own. I'm not busting on Verizon. I'm just saying that's that's their business decision to own as much as the network as they can because the more they own, the more they control, and the, really the better the quality is, at least to their quality. Now, with that said, it really set back LTEU here in the States. The good news is that over in Africa, South Africa, Ericsson's been testing LTEU, and I'm hoping that they can really get some real world data that we can use to really start improving this. 
because LTU is really going to do a lot. You got to look at it this way. The Wi-Fi companies were so, so threatened that back in 2015, several senators were working to find out how LTU will destroy Wi-Fi. And there's an article there. They were they were so worried about it. They thought we should regulate the Wi-Fi. I'm sorry. Yeah, regulate the unlicensed ban. If you want to know who it is, uh, Senators Brian Schatz, Richard Blumenthal, Tom Udall, Ed Markey, Maria Cantwell, and Claire... McCaskill. I hope I got all your names right. But basically, they were coming out to say, you know, someone should look into this. They should regulate this. Should they regulate the unlicensed ban? I'm going to be honest with you. I think the FCC does a really good job. <laughs> I don't get what they were getting at. More regulation. Regulation and unlicensed spectrum. Honest to God, is that what we need? Regulation and unlicensed spectrum? Uh, you regulate business. Now you're going to regulate spectrum? <laughs> I mean, the FCC does that. They call it licensed and unlicensed. They call it lightly licensed. I mean, let the FCC do their job for God's sake. But I get it. And the way I see this is the Wi-Fi companies went to these senators and said, hey, we have a real threat here, threat to the way we do business. But I'm looking at a bigger picture. And by the way, Senator Schatz, if you want to get a hold of his office, I have his information in there. But I just don't think we need more regulation in this particular area. I don't. I think the FCC is doing a fine job. Commissioner Wheeler did respond. I have the link in there that has his letter to each senator, you know, public letters, the way government does things. They won't tell me anything publicly. <laughs> but they will write letters to, Congress, to the senators publicly. It's just a little shot there at the FCC. So let's get this straight. LTEU, obviously the villain of the story, right? But is it? When we look at the bigger picture, we really need to move ahead with new technology. I couldn't imagine if the carriers would have said, you know what? CDMA and GSM just work fine. Let's just stick with 4G or 3G and we'll just stick with that because LTE is a threat to how we do business. That's insane. I know there's a lot of arguments out there that the OEMs have been pushing new formats. There's some truth to that. I'm not going to lie to you. They want to sell hardware. Okay. But the reality is we have to move ahead. The carriers wanted something that would sustain longer than a few years. Now bring it up this way. 1G came out what? In 1990. You know, we had the cell phones. And even before that, you know, you had the IMTS login. You had the DTMF login where you could bring up a carrier and get phone line access. Then you had 2G, which really improved the handoff. It was, you know, it was more of an IMTS system, intelligent mobile telephone service. It worked really, really well. So suddenly you're going from 1G, 2G, and they were about 10 years apart. Okay, so you had a 10-year life. So the carriers, think about this, there were smaller carriers back then, had 10 years to pay off their system, prepare for a new system, and then slowly roll out the new system. Well, then we went from 2G to 3G, you know, basically from 2000 to 2010. From 2010 to 2015, 2014, all of a sudden you have 4G coming out, which is LTE, which are still rolling out LTE. You know, here it is 2016 when I'm recording this. So now suddenly you have 4G coming out, the carriers really didn't get a payback from the 3G systems, at least not the way I perceive it. I know they make a lot of money, they make billions, and they've changed the way they do things. And I'll get into that in another podcast. I mean, the way they do deployment now is totally different. And they'll deny this, but it's very corporate. <laughs> it's very corporate. In the old days, you had your cell tech that would oversee things and do a lot of the work. Most of the cell carriers do very little of their own uh, physical work, physical labor. Very few cell techs really know what's beginning to end at a cell site. 
And I'm not being that, I don't mean that facetiously. I just mean it's, it's really hard to understand everything that's at a cell site. But I understand, I think they know what's there. You got routers, you got fiber backhaul, you got the BTS, you got the radio heads, you got the antennas, you got the coax, you got the fiber, blah, blah, blah. Oh, and then don't forget, when you're talking about sites, you have cooling, you have heating, you have basically temperature and environmental control. You have to worry about if you have a shelter or a cabinet, you have to worry about the real estate, you have to worry about the leases. Now you get the bigger picture, right? There's a lot more to it. You have to worry about rodents. That's something a lot of people don't worry about. You have to worry about alarms and vandalism. That's something that people don't think about when they do this stuff. So the reason I'm bringing all this up is because in the old days, you had a few people that really understood everything and could do everything. You just can't now. The IT stuff, the routers, very complex. The low-level design of a BTS, very complex. The RF planning, the neighbor lists, ICIC, uh, intercarrier interference control, very complex. You have so many things now that affect it. And I know we have self-organizing network servers, but they can't do everything yet. I'm not saying they won't someday. It's getting there. But that brings us to LTE. That's why the carriers wanted LTE. They want something that is just like the name says, long-term evolution, something that they can put out there for 10 years, get the payback, and they can just do software upgrades to modify it. The only change you have to do is with Spectrum is with the radio heads. And we still don't have like these amazing software-defined radios that would have massive spectrum in them. We're, we just aren't there yet. Software-defined amplifiers is what I meant to say. So if we have software-defined amplifiers that we could have different spectrum in, that would be a game changer, but there's so much filtering that has to happen. It just isn't there yet. I mean, you really, when you're talking about license, you don't just throw up a box per se. You really have to have it tested and FCC type accepted properly. And it's made specific for that carrier. And I know I'm way off point. I'm sorry, way off point. So I'm talking about new technology. I want to look at the bigger picture here and I'm trying to stay focused on that. So let's let's look at analogy for this particular thing. We have to move ahead. We have to do LTEU because it's something different. We have to try it. If it fails, it'll go by the wayside like WiMAX or IDEN did. But in the words of Henry Ford, he said if he would have asked people what they wanted, they would have said faster horses because maybe we need to have a game changer right now. If we would ask the Wi-Fi Alliance what they want, they would say faster Wi-Fi when really maybe what we need is a new technology, LTE, something that will evolve over time. That's what I'm saying. You know, we had WiMAX and IDEN and while they both worked well for what they were, they went by the wayside because people didn't invest in them, upgrade them or change them. IDEN's retired, as far as I know, probably still used a lot in public safety. It's really a form of trunking. WiMAX is still used heavily out there in the world, but really it's being sunset. So now what do we have? We have LTE and who knows what the next thing's going to be, say for 5G in, in the, you know, in the 50 and 60 gigahertz range. It's very exciting. It's new technology. And all I'm saying is maybe Wi-Fi should allow LTEU to be tested and let's see how it works in the real world. That's what I'm saying. Let's try it in the real world. So let's go FCC. Let's make the move into the next generation, generation five, you may call it 5G. But LTEU, I think, is going to be a part of that. Even though a lot of people are naysayers on it, I really want to try it and see if it works. If it doesn't work, we'll toss it aside. If it creates problems, we'll improve it. We'll make changes. I see the bigger picture. I see the bigger pictures moving on to the expansion and growth. And that's the way I see expansion and growth, trying new things. All right, everybody, before I go... I want you to remember that there are two foundations out there helping the wireless worker, the Hubble Foundation and the Tower Family Foundation. Hubble, H-U-B-B-L-E, 
foundation.org, hubblefoundation.org, and the towerfamilyfoundation.org. They are two organizations that will give money to tower climbers, families that are injured on the job. In other words, if a tower climber is injured on the job, they support the families any way they can. Tower climbers die every year climbing towers so you can get your wireless system. Tower climbers get hurt every month in a serious way. And you know what? It's not a good business. It's not a high-paying job like you think it is. It's a good job, but really, the carriers, who I just spent 20 minutes defending, have really devalued it. So now the tower climbers are not getting paid a lot of money. They're doing dangerous work, and they're not also they're not thoroughly trained like they should be. And that's my commentary. And there's a lot of reasons for that, because they're trying to save money they squeeze them. It's an easy thing to squeeze, right? I don't want to get all on that subject, but towerfamilyfoundation.org and hubblefoundation.org. Two foundations that help the families of tower climbers when a tower climber is injured or dies. And they do die on the job quite a bit. All right, everyone didn't mean to bring you down. I just want to talk about LTEU. And I remember, be smart, be safe, and pay attention. See ya. Mm-hmm.